Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I am here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hey! Hello! And today is our last installment of the Spookster Club Vault. We wanted to end with a fun one that we have done kind of recently. So we are going to be talking about Bigfoot today. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. Okay, so like most cryptids, the versions range throughout history and culture, of course. In Canada, he's referred to as Sasquatch, and in the Himalayas, he's called the Hermit Yeti, plus tons more names in other cultures as well. Overall, Bigfoot is described as a large, muscular, bipedal ape-like creature covered in hair that is either dark brown, black, or sometimes reddish brown. And when talking about how he looks, or like his genetics, I guess, people say he's between an ape and a man. And he is said to have a smooth gait so that when he walks, it's in like a fluid motion, like very graceful, you know, versus a human who, when we walk, kind of bob up and down type of thing. He's an ice skater. Yes. Yeah. So graceful. So graceful. And, you know, like when I was doing my notes, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, so he in a tutu prancing through the woods being a fancy bitch. Got you. <laughs> and it's funny because what popped into my head was like, she's beauty and she's great. She's Miss United States. And I was like... <laughs> It's Bigfoot. (laughs) Bigfoot is a beauty queen who wears a tutu. I love it. (laughs) I love it, too. So when those who dedicate their research to Bigfoot take a look back in history, they say that the name Bigfoot itself was actually given to a Wyandot chief as a nickname in the 1830s because of, quote, the immense size of his feet, his height considerably exceeded six feet, and his strength was represented as Herculean, end quote. So. Kind of random, but I thought that was interesting because I'm like, oh, this is even before the cryptid even came about. I like that instead of just being like calling him Hercules or calling him something a little bit more like hero-esque, they're like, "Mm, let's just call him Bigfoot. It's fine. He's Bigfoot. Assholes. (laughs) Then in the late 19th century, going into the early 20th century, it's noted that two grizzly bears were covered a lot in the media, so like newspapers and stuff, obviously, each nicknamed Bigfoot. The first one that was called Bigfoot was said to have been killed in Fresno, California in 1895 after killing sheep for 15 years. It's a long time. Damn! 
awesome. Right? And fun fact, he weighed about 2,000 pounds. And according to Google, the average weight for a grizzly bear is 600 pounds for a male and between 290 to 440 pounds for a female. So a big motherfucker, like triple the size it should be. Right? That's insane. I mean, that bear was just like wrecking shit. Yeah, literally. I'm like, because at first I'm like, how would it take them so damn long to try to get this grizzly bear to stop killing sheep? But if it's two fucking thousand pounds, I wouldn't want to go near that. No, thank you. Right. I'd be like, uh, I unvolunteer as tribute. <laughs> it's fine. Take the sheep. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's my offering for you, sir. God. And the second one was in Idaho in the 1890s to the 1900s between the Snake and Salmon Rivers. And this is when things kind of took a shift. And supposedly, this grizzly had supernatural powers. It was also extremely large, saying to be about 1,200 pounds or so. So again, you know, like double the size, essentially. I guess the first one would be like over triple the size. But yeah, both freaking huge. And with his story, it said, quote, Bigfoot for years has levied his tribute of prime steers and no one has been found brave enough or clever enough to catch or kill him. With a single blow of his giant paw, he kills the largest and best animals he can find, and he usually takes the pick of a herd. He makes a single meal of an animal, and it's usually a meal that would provide a camp full of men for a week and disappears, never to return to that locality again that season. I mean, if you're out there, like, if you're that big, nobody gonna fuck with you. No, hell no. We're gonna fucking run the other way. So when I read that, I was like, okay. (laughs) But how did we get from grizzlies being called Bigfoot to what I described earlier? Well... Along with these kind of off-topic stories, as I kind of categorized them, there are others as well. They range from Bigfoot being a cannibalistic beast to harmless and all he wants to do is just steal some salmon to eat to kind of like a Krampus Voldemort baby, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) A Krampus Voldemort baby. Uh, So in one like rendition of this story or one version of it, it's said that he used to be used as a cautionary tale to kids that you must not speak his name because if you do, this will beckon him to come and take you away and kill you. So very much like morph those two beings together for me. Now, eyewitness accounts are honestly one of the biggest things when it comes to the spreading of the Bigfoot cryptid. It's noted that about a third of the U.S. sightings happen in the Pacific Northwest. And another area that has a lot of sightings is said to be the Great Lakes area. I will just disclose ahead of time, no surprise, that majority of Bigfoot sightings are debunked. But, you know, it's still fun to look into and whatnot. So in August of 1958, Jerry Crew, a tractor operator working in the remote wilderness of Northern California's Six Rivers National Forest, he spotted some giant-ass footprints in the mud. And, you know, they took a look at them, and they were 16 inches long. And they thought they were, like, kind of man-like, but they were fucking huge. So they're like, what the fuck? So the story actually ended up in the newspaper. It was the Humble Times, and the journalist who wrote about it, his name was Andrew Ginzoli. And he said that he thought that the mysterious footprints made, like, a good Sunday morning story because he's like, this is kind of weird. This will entertain people. Whatever. But people were really into it. They were like, what the fuck? After this, they started doing some follow-up articles. There was another journalist named Betty Allen. She did some about the footprints. And this is when it would come out that the uh, loggers, like Jerry and all them, had called the creature Bigfoot. So our legend is now born. Got it. Yes. And once the story went public, it kind of blew up everywhere and became like this whole like obsessive 
fad. It was like, you know, started becoming in media, like in magazines and paperback novels and things like that. Well, in 2002, the story had some tea come out about it when this man named Ray Wallace, he worked with Jerry. Apparently, the dude was just like a big prankster. He loved to pull pranks on people. At that time, in 2002, he was 84 and he had passed away. Well, his family decided, let's crush everybody's dreams. Let's do it. Come (laughs) on. It's time. And he's like, so what happened was this is all fake. Our dad had made these oversized footprint things with a set of carved wooden feet. So Ray was Bigfoot. I love it. Could you imagine being like everyone else who saw them and were like, oh my God, there's this huge ass creature here. And then like Ray is just like standing there like, oh my God, where is this giant creature? Right? Because like, you know, he there was no way he knew this was going to happen with this incident. He thought he was just messing around with his coworkers probably. <laughs> I also think it's interesting because like if Shaquille O'Neal had would to take off his shoes and like walk through the woods, he also would have giant ass footprints. Yeah. I mean, I think they were like wider than a normal like mm-hmm. like proportionate wise for the length. But still, like if we had someone of that height walk through the woods and leave footprints, we probably would be like, what? Right, exactly. But apparently they preserved the footprint and it's now at the Bigfoot Discovery Museum museum in Felton, California, and that museum's owned by a man named Mike Ruggs. And since the news dropped, he was asked about it in an article with the California Sun, and obviously he was, like, brushing shit off because it's like, he owns a fucking Bigfoot museum. Bro ain't gonna be like, oh yeah, it's all fake. So he had said, quote, anybody that does any research into Sasquatch knows that they were seen for hundreds of years before Ray Wallace was born, and that they have continued to be seen since he died, end quote. But not successfully seen. (laughs) No, like they're all all the stories are debunked, dude. Like, I'm sorry, Mike. No, <laughs> it's hard to take someone that serious when, you know, they're like and no offense because like I went to school in this area. Like um, <laughs> it's like you're in the Santa Cruz Mountains. We don't take your shit serious. <laughs> Then, nine years later, a recorded video would actually surface of Bigfoot nine years after the footprint incident. So this would put us on October 20th, 1967. So these two dudes named Roger Patterson and Robert Bob Gimlin, they had went into that same national forest, the Six Rivers National Forest. And the film itself is just under a minute. It's 59.5 seconds long. And they actually believed that this Bigfoot was a female and she would get referred to as Patty. And I assume that comes from Roger's last name, Patterson. I'm not sure, though, because, like, it's just a random ass name, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's not even, like, Patty the Bigfoot. (laughs) It's, like, it should have been, like, Betty the Bigfoot. Like, that makes more sense. Right. And most people have probably seen this or at least a still from it because it's, like, super famous. But if you haven't, you see her walking across and then turn towards them. But again, we got tea that comes out decades later. So in 1998, Bob Heroniumus, I'm probably saying his last name wrong, he says he was the one wearing the suit. And there have actually been friends and family of his being like, yeah, he wore the suit. We saw it. We saw it in his car. Like, we've seen the Bigfoot suit. And the reason this came out so many years later, supposedly, is because he thought he would eventually get paid for doing this, but he uh, never did. But I'm like, damn, you waited 30 years? You had some, like, confidence in these guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. And it's just interesting because apparently Roger uh, has been known to do a polygraph test asking about this and he passed it saying it was true. But it's kind of like it's one of those things where it's like obviously it's tracking like your heart rate and stuff. So it's like if you've convinced yourself something is true, like you're not going to spike that you're lying. I feel I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like, OK, he took a polygraph test and we know that like older polygraph tests back in the day, you could fake them all the time. Like one of the ways that you could like cause yourself pain at the same time. So it would like be inconclusive and things like that. I don't know. It's just like it's one of those things where this guy waited so long to be like, just kidding. I was in it. But I always think of like the elf movie like because that was one of the biggest claims for the longest time was that well humans don't walk that way and then obviously elf came out after bob came out and was like it was me so it was funny that they like poked fun at it to be like yeah humans can literally walk this way will ferrell can do it (laughs) yeah exactly But Roger and Robert both insist this was real and did happen and Patty exists. And so, you know, like, of course, when drama or conspiracy theories for these kind of things come out, like people start coming out of the woodworks. There was a man named Philip Morris saying he sold the costume to Roger. But even with that, many people in the Bigfoot community still think it's a real video, like real proof. It's interesting to rabbit hole, guys. It definitely is. Check it out if you have not. And there's honestly been tons of other encounters since then. They're all over YouTube. There's shows dedicated to Bigfoot like all over the place, fictional and some more try to be like educational, like History Channel and stuff like that. There's all kinds of stuff you guys can watch. Also, fun fact, if you are in the Willow Creek area in California, this is said to be like Bigfoot town because they have a restaurant, motel, stores, museum, everything, like all kinds of stuff. The restaurant. One of the I don't know if it's more than one restaurant, but the one I saw a video on, they actually have a Bigfoot burger. Like the buns are in the shape of a Bigfoot print, and it's fucking massive. <laughs> I would like to go there and um, get a Bigfoot burger. I'm totally down for like crazy. Like it's not really crazy. I love theme things. It's like the whole hugging Molly thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is what that made me think of. Yeah, it, like where they lean into it really hard. They're like, okay, we get that this is what we are. It's like when you go to like Roswell that like area mm-hmm. they're all ufo and it, it i don't know it's fun yeah. it's, you go and you think it's fun so i when pandemic is over i will go to the bigfoot place yeah i like i would totally love to go to places like that because they just seem like cool places to check out like whether you believe or not like mm-hmm. you know just fun and what's also cool is in non-pandemic times they do this event called bigfoot days and it's a whole weekend event like there's a parade there's vendors like it's a whole thing and it looks really cool Sadly, they obviously, for safety reasons, canceled it for 2020. But yeah, it's it's a whole thing and it looks a lot of fun. So like I said, if you're near that area, once things are open and you can go wander around, definitely do it because I don't even live in California and I would love to. We should do it. Yes, I am down. I'm down. We could vlog it or something. But yeah, that's kind of our little background here on Bigfoot. So I'm going to hand it to Jess now. Okay, so like Terrace said, Bigfoot is like since kind of the discovery or since it's become part of pop culture, it has made its way into a ton of different mediums as far as like entertainment. And currently there are 51-ish 
films around it. There's stuff from like that are like B movies, you know. There's that movie that came out a little I think it's like Big Feet or something with uh Channing Tatum. Oh, Smallfoot. Smallfoot, thank you. That's why I was like, why can't I find it under the B name? It's because it's called Smallfoot. I'm an idiot. No, I only know because my daughter loves that movie. She actually got a Smallfoot onesie last year. <gasps> adorable yes so yeah it's one of her faves (laughs) it's a cute movie yeah no it's a cute movie and so like for as you know it's in random things there's a movie called the man who killed hitler and then bigfoot and then the bigfoot i it's on my to watch list yeah i'm excited about it hotel transylvania they make the big joke because bigfoot is literally just a bigfoot in the movie the movies yeah oh and it's also in the goofy movie which when i first saw that on the list i was like he's not in the goofy movie i was like oh no he is (laughs) he's in the goofy movie when they go camping yeah but i'm gonna be talking about my favorite bigfoot movie it is called harry and the hendersons which is an amazing amazing movie if you have not seen it it is a classic you should definitely it's since we re-recorded this i forgot but i pretty sure I watched it on Amazon Prime. Harry and the Hendersons came out in 1987, specifically June 5th, 1987. It was budgeted for $10 million and it box office $50 million. It was distributed by Universal Studios. It's really good. Fun little fact for you is that in the United Kingdom, when they originally released it, they didn't call it Harry and the Hendersons. They called it Bigfoot and the Hendersons. Oh, Yes. And then they also, they had like a TV show with it. And then they changed it to Harry and the Hendersons. So let's get into the story. So basically it's the family, it's the Hendersons. And George Henderson is the dad. And they're camping and it opens up with George and his son, Ernie. They're basically out hunting and they catch a rabbit because George is a hunter. And in fact, George's father owns a hunting store, like a camping outdoor-y type store. And they sell a ton of guns. So they're out camping and Ernie kills his first bunny rabbit, which is really sad because I was like, not the bunny. Right. And basically they live in Seattle in a suburb of Seattle and the Henderson family is getting ready to go home. So they're packing up and George is like, okay, I want to get back. I want to get back really fast. So he and his little like station wagon car and his family are speeding down this like dirt-ish road. And out of nowhere, George hits something and they think it's a bear because it's huge. They back up and when they back up to look at it, what it is, they realize it's a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch, but whatever. So they're like, okay, we have to like take this because, you know, it's amazing. It's a huge creature. So what they do is they take and put him on the roof of their car, cover him with a tarp, and they're going to take him home. When they hit the Sasquatch or the Bigfoot, their license plate fell off. So it leaves behind who did it. And there's this hunter dude who will come into play later. He finds it and is like, oh, God, I got to keep tracking this creature. So the Hendersons go home and they're like, "Okay, well, let's not take Bigfoot wherever right away. He's dead. I'll wait till tomorrow to handle it. And they leave him tied to the top of the car. So that night, George gets out and he's basically like goes down to look in the garage to like look at it again. And he realizes that it is not dead and it is not on top of the car. And he's like, oh, my God. He calls for his wife, whose name is Nancy, and for his kids. So he has two kids, which is Sarah and Ernie. And they're like, where is he? And they find the creature in the kitchen. And he's basically like knocked over the refrigerator. He's looking for food, all of this stuff. Then he's like walking around the house. Now, I mentioned that George is a hunter. 
And he has like all of these like animal heads on the wall and who they will end up calling Harry. He basically is like, uh, the fuck is wrong with you people? You putting dead animals on your wall. So he takes them down and buries them in the backyard. I love the part where he goes into the backyard and George is like, lock the door. And Nancy locks the door and Harry ends up opening it again, like just forcefully. Mm -hmm. She's like, he wants to come inside. And George is like, don't let him back inside. She's like, uh, okay. And then she realizes I'm just going to like let, I'm going to let him back in. So they let him back in and they realize that he's like intelligent, right? One of my favorite parts in this little montage is how they realize he's intelligent is he goes into the fridge and he finds this like orchid corsage that's in there. And it's Sarah because she's turning 15. And apparently in Seattle in the 80s, if you were 15, you had a birthday corsage. I don't know what that's about. Someone knows. Please tell me. (laughs) And so Harry eats the croissage because he's like a vegetarian. Like he's basically a pescatarian. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) he eats it. And Sarah just like gets up in his face and screams at him is like, what are you doing? That's my flower. It's my 15th birthday croissage. I saved up all my money for that. And he looks really sad. And they're like, oh, shit. He like understands. Well, about this time, they're like, okay. We're going to like call him something. So they name him Harry. And when they were camping, they didn't take their dog with them. They gave it to the neighbor. So the neighbor brings the dog over. But it's like in the middle of the moment where like there's a fucking Bigfoot in the middle of their kitchen destroying shit. (laughs) They're like running as like they go to like block the windows. So like the neighbor runs to another window and they like shut it in her face and you know all that stuff. So they finally get Harry into the basement. Ernie takes him down there. Then they get their dog back. But their dog is like uh the fuck is this shit and then this is another way that they realize that he's a friendly creature because he doesn't like kill the dog he's like oh stop he's like stop it type thing they kind of become friends and the family bonds with harry and then my favorite part is it's like a monday it's like a school day or something like that or whatever and he goes kids you got to go to school they're like but we don't want to you know because they want to stay home with the sasquatch or with the bigfoot and they're like fine we'll just go to school i can't wait to tell my friends about this and he's like no one's going to school everyone is staying home so then they realize that throughout the day you know george teaches them things to like sit and to do like those type of like things like he thinks he's teaching them tricks and then they realize that they can't keep him because he's a fucking like eight foot bigfoot and living in and destroying their house because when he sits he doesn't just like sit down he like jumps in the air and sits so it breaks things as he does it so they're like okay we have to take him back out there they go to take him back out there and how they lure him to the car because he's like fuck the car the car hits people He was like, no, the last time I was on near that thing, it tried to kill me. So they lure him with like fish sandwiches from what I assume is like McDonald's. And I was like, ew, McDonald's fish sandwiches. I honestly don't understand how the like filet of fish is still a thing. Apparently someone eats them. (laughs) Right. I don't like fish in general. So if you like the filet of fish, I'm sorry. I don't mean to like talk shit. I just I can't. Yeah, I like fish, but I am too afraid to eat that (laughs) because I'm just like, nope. Right. I will eat plenty of fast food stuff, but not that. (laughs) Right. Like, I'm like, okay, this is, um, this is weird. I don't know if I can do that. And it's frozen. I guess it'd be like a fish stick. Yeah, probably thinking about it. But I mean, I don't even, I don't even know when the last time I ate fish sticks was. I was probably a child, first of all. But yeah. I had them like a few years ago because I just like woke up one morning and was like, I want fish sticks. 
And then I was like, ah, I missed my opportunity to do fish sticks and custard. Oh, sad, sad, sad. Right. So they try to get Harry into the car and they like throw the sandwiches in. And as they do that, they're like, they start like arguing and whatnot. And I think the neighbor comes up and they're like hiding, whatever. And Harry's like, the fuck I'm going back in this car. He gets out and escapes, which is like, oh, shit, what do we do? But then they're like, okay, well, he ran away. So what should we do? Like, they tried to find him. They couldn't. So they're like, we're just going to go about our everyday life. And like I said, George works at a hunting store. So when he's there, he actually, like, hears about it, right? So George, like I said, George tries to find Harry, and he ends up visiting the North American Museum of Anthropology to speak to Dr. Wallace Wrightwood, because Dr. Wrightwood wrote a book. Because George went, it was really funny, because, like, George went to the library to look it up, and I'm like, oh, that's what people did. (laughs) So Dr. Wrightwood, the supposed expert on Sasquatches or Big Fate, and he basically goes there, George does, and he He's like, holy shit, this is like a trailer. This North American Museum of Anthropology is just like a fucking trailer. And the guy there is just like, hey, there's no there's no such thing as Bigfoot. Dr. Wrightwood isn't here. I'll take your information and get back to you type situation. And then he leaves. And then the other guy that we talked about earlier, the hunter comes in. His name is Jacques Lefleur. And he basically finds the Hendersons because he runs the DMV check on it which is funny because he like gives the dmv person like the stories like oh i saw this guy that i knew from like college my college friend but i couldn't remember his name so i wrote down his license plate number because he was driving past me on the freeway and i'm like your story doesn't track dude like who's who could write i don't that's too much. That's too much. I mean, I get that like Washington State only has like a 55 mile an hour on the freeway, but like calm yourselves, people. So Lafleur shows up to the Henderson's house and basically is like trying to probe to see if there's a Bigfoot. And Nancy's like, get the fuck out, shuts the door in his face. George Sr., which is George's father, who owns the hunting store, is there. And Lafleur actually comes in to get more bullets and so george is like george like our main character george is like wow that guy just bought a big ammo and he's like oh yeah he's probably after that bigfoot his name is lafleur and he like is basically like saying that all the like the big ass bear that's in their store lafleur killed and he's like an excellent shot and everything so then george is like i gotta go gotta go find harry and he keeps looking but he can't find him And George Sr. is like, when he comes back to work, is like, hey, I want you to draw this poster. I want a big poster of Sasquatch because people were coming in and buying ammo because they were like, they called it the Bigfoot mania. So he's like, I want to promote. So draw me this big, fierce Bigfoot. And George is like an artist at heart. And so he's like, he's talking to Nancy and he's like, I don't want to draw a big, violent, like Harry, because that's not who Harry is. He's, you know, kind and sweet. And so he draws him that way. And then George Sr. draws like vicious fangs and red eyes on him. And I'm like, aww. So people are just basically buying out the guns. But George is like, you know what? I fucking quit. I don't want to be here. I don't want to support this. And he basically runs around and tries to find Harry. And they end up finding Harry. And they bring him home. Which is really funny because it's like in this like weird car chase. And it's not just like a car chase. It's a garbage truck chase. <laughs> Harry ends up in there and Lafleur is after him. So he basically saves him. But Lafleur gets arrested. 
And the floor calls the guy, like, calls his friend who happens to be Dr. Like, Wrightwood and is like, bail me out. And he's like, no fucking way am I bailing you out. The following day after they get Harry back to the house, George invites Dr. Wrightwood to dinner because they call. Wrightwood calls him and he's like, come to dinner. But he was like really shocked because who he thought was like a docent or like a clerk or like, you know, the receptionist at the museum ends up being Dr. Wrightwood. And he basically says to the Hendersons, like, you have to let him go back into the wild because if not, you're just like, you don't realize it, but you're like destroying his life and he's destroying your life, which is super nice because he ends up meeting him. It's cute. Well, during this time, they're like, okay, we'll take him back and everything like that. And they start the process, but Lafleur gets out of jail and then they start chasing him, trying to flee back to the mountains. And it's like that moment, get out of here, you know, like that. I'm trying to think of a movie where like he's trying to like get the animal to go away. Someone throws the rock. I don't want you. And they're like crying. Um, It's like that moment. And so Harry tries to like leaves, but the family doesn't when they realize that like Lafleur is around. They're like, fuck, we have to like distract Lafleur. So they take the feet prints that they have from Dr. Wrightwood and they like stomp in the snow to make all these like tracks. And Lafleur gets like distracted, but he ends up like tracking him down anyways and then george intervenes to like stop it from happening from him killing him and he starts to beat up lafleur <laughs> and it was like this suburban house dad working in like a job that he's unfulfilled in letting all his rage out beating up this asshole hunter dude and harry like comes up and stops him and lafleur is like oh my god he's not just some crazy ass beast He's like an intelligent being. And so they all say goodbye and George thanks Harry and they hug. And then George tells him to take care of himself. And then Harry actually replies saying, okay. And everyone's like, the fucker could talk? And then he like goes off into the woods. And as he goes off into the woods, you realize that there's all these other like Sasquatches or big feet. It explains why no one sees them is because when they stand really still, they're invisible. But not like really, but they like camo in. So then Dr. Wrightwood says to LaFleur, like, what are you going to do now that like you can't chase Bigfoot? And he's like, my favorite line is like, I don't know. There's always Loch Ness. And then they all wave bye to, to Harry. And then the movie ends. It's such a good movie. It is. It's one I haven't watched in a long time that I need to like sit down and rewatch. I think my kid would like it. Oh, for sure. Because she likes Smallfoot. So like. I feel like she would like this. Like, she literally watched Smallfoot last night. (laughs) It's a good movie. Mm -hmm. And I like this one because it's like, it's grown up enough to where you can watch it and as an adult and not be like, what the fuck? This is so kidsy. Yeah. It's like family friendly. Mm -hmm. It's not like aggressive where like Harry is some bloodthirsty beast. So yeah, I appreciate it. And I... I will watch it with my children. Yay. All right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. We hope you enjoyed. We will be back next week. See you then. Bye. Bye. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.